The Dental Download Podcast is your source for insight into dental school, conversations with dentists, specialists, and leaders in the industry. With new episodes every Monday morning, I'm your host, Haley Schultz. Let's get into this week's episode. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay. Hi, everyone. I'm back with another guest here today, and I'm going to let Dr. Jill Wade just introduce herself a little bit. Hey, guys. It's Dr. Jill Wade. I actually practice dentistry in Frisco, Texas, and I have been practicing for over 25 years. Yes, this is truly a career that you guys are, you know, creating. It's not just a J-O-B. It's a career. And Personally, I love this career. I'm still super, super passionate about dentistry. I I love it every day. I feel so blessed that I chose dentistry, honestly, over medicine, because probably like many of you, um, there was that period in your life where you're like, I want to be a doctor. I want to be in medicine. And something else kind of changed along the way. And you were like, oh, what about dentistry? And I'm just super, super blessed to to know that I chose dentistry because I have a lot of friends in medicine. And let me tell you what, guys, like their world is not as awesome as ours is right now. They're, they're, they're up against a lot of hard things these days. And I feel like dentistry has done a great job of keeping us kind of um, separated from some, some of the things in the medical world that are so hard for them, insurance being one of them. Um And so, yeah, every day I go to work, I'm like, thank God I'm in dentistry. And I know one of the things that you're passionate about when you do your speaking is dentists building their financial literacy and learning how to kind of take control of their finances. So a lot of my listeners are young dentists, pre-dental, dental students. So is there anything looking back that you feel like were financial mistakes that you made as a young dentist? Girl, how long do we have? Yes. I, I, I sit here in front of you today not to be like, oh, look at me. I've never made a mistake. Like if I if there was a mistake to make, I have made it. For sure. For sure. Um, You know, you guys are sitting in the situation a little bit different than I was. I I feel like um, going to school and going to general school and the kind of debt that you guys are coming out with compared to the type of debt that I came out with is substantially more. I'm not going to lie. And I know that's a bigger burden for you guys. Um, And I'm not going to downplay that at all. But I think we just need to put that kind of elephant out in the room. Um, Because for so many of you that I see coming straight out of school, that is really what's driving you and what's driving your choices as to what you feel like you need to do right off the bat when you get out of school. And I know it's kind of driven by that fear that those, you know, school loans are coming, coming up soon. Um, 
So, you know, we could talk about that here in a little bit if you wanted to, but um, I think one of my first biggest mistakes that I would highly suggest you guys watch out for is this crazy thing called credit card debt. You're already going to come out with a lot of debt um, from school. Um, from and, and remember, school debt is seen as good debt. Many, many financing banks and things like that consider school loans good debt. There's good debt and there's bad debt. Well, let me assure you, they think credit card debt is bad debt. And if I could highly, highly encourage you guys not to get into that vicious cycle of having to use your credit card and just pay minimum balances on that while you're in school and let that debt get so high with such high interest rates that it takes you a super, super long time to get out of that. So if that means having a little extra job, a little side hustle, you know, or something where you can use that money towards, you know, whatever it was you were wanting to put on your credit card, I say, please don't do that. Please, please, please don't do that because that, that, that takes you a while to get out of that bad debt. Um, it's probably one of the first things that I remember. Um, second is, you know, getting out there and let's talk about job choices of when you first get out to practice. You know, um, there really seems to be so many of you guys that think that your only option is to go, you know, work for a big conglomerate, a big DSO to go get those bonuses or to go get that kind of money um, so that you can start paying those loans right off the bat. All I'm going to tell you is this. They are big companies you are a number to them most of the time. There are still so many of us out there who own our own dental practices who are looking for amazing associates. Like we're looking for you, but it's like finding a needle in the haystack. And I know you're looking for us and it's like finding a needle in a haystack. But we just all have to figure out ways to communicate and to get together and to, to mentor you. Yes, not every associateship works out perfectly. I get that. It's like a marriage to some extent. But I just want to tell you, you don't feel pressured that you have to go work for the big companies. And that's that's the only way um, the only way about it. Even if you made a little bit less right off the bat with maybe a private person or a private office, I'm going to tell you what you will save is the hell of burnout because they're going to work you to your burnt out. And, and you're not really maybe picking up some of the best habits um, of being an actual dentist as you could as maybe having a great mentor to, to work with in a private practice. Does that make sense? Yeah, it definitely does. And when you were talking about avoiding the credit card debt, it kind of makes me think to something as a non-financial person that I just recommend to people is trying to lower those costs of living, especially as a student, as much as you can. And it can be really easy when you see, oh, everyone's going on this spring break cruise, even though we're students and you want to get in and do that too. But that like comparison that you can fall into in dental school, you have to keep in mind if every expense you have is loans and maybe some of those students have financial support from other sources like a partner or parents and they're not going to have the same payoff that you would so you have to really think about like what is this amount of money going to cost me later so I definitely encourage people to think about that and I feel like that same lifestyle inflation like can follow you once you start working as a dentist too because you see this person's buying this nice car and I'm a dentist so maybe I should but they oh. might have the same savings goals as you or they might not be saving anything 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, yes, yes, and yes. (laughs) You are smart beyond your years. Um, let's see. OPO, we call that OPO. And that's other people's opinions. And if you can clear yourself from that as early as possible and not be worried about what other people's opinions are of you, or if you went on that cruise or what you're driving or this or that, the other, and you just make smart decisions. Oh my gosh. Like you will get to where you want to go and you'll get to where your goals are so much faster because the other way, it just takes you years sometimes to dig out of some of that big debt and for what? For a cruise? One time? Uh, trust me, I could throw some pretty good parties at my apartment or house, you know, with just some some cases of beer and we can still have a lot of fun, right? Um, I'm all about having fun. But um, I think what I would say is this is um, what you guys may not be in the habit of yet is, is math and budgets and it's not fun and it's not creative and you're in dental school and that's creative and fun. But let's say just, just for a little bit, you just step backwards and think about what money you're just about to spend and think about it from, just like you said, what if I put that on my credit card? Well, let's add 30% to that. Are you really willing to spend that on what it is that you're just about to purchase or do, because if you're not, then it's probably best not to do it. And I got in that bad habit of that, just that thought process of having a credit card and putting it on credit and putting on credit. What I learned after all of you know those mistakes is really, if I don't have the cash to do something, I really just shouldn't do it. It's that simple. It's yeah, that simple. I definitely hear what you're saying. And kind of on the topic again of, graduating dental school, starting with your first job or two and trying to pay off debt. And a lot of times there's a lot of other life things happening at the same time. So you might have personal life expenses like a wedding or trying to buy a home. How do you recommend people balance all of that? Yeah. Well, I would love to tell you that I did it this way. I did not, but this is, this is my advice. Okay. So when we make decisions like that, like, Ooh, I'm out of school. I want a new car. I've had this car. It's run down. It's beat up. You know, Ooh, I want to get a bigger apartment. Ooh, I want to move in with my boyfriend and let's get, you know, three times as much apartment or whatever. Um, We're making those decisions based on emotions, right? I want it. I deserve it. I worked hard. I should be able to do this, right? I can give you a thousand different scenarios of what our brain tells us emotionally that we deserve to have the things we do. And we do. Okay, hear me say that. We do deserve that. We've worked hard to get where we are. But if you can step back for just a little bit and do the math, see, math is math. Math 
isn't influenced by your emotions or the emotions of other people. It's just math and it's the truth. And so if you can always just step back and put the math to it, let the math guide your decisions for that car or that apartment and see if even postponing your desire, let's say for six months, what does the math tell you that would do for you? Or one year, what does the math tell you? You mean, goodness gracious, you've learned enough discipline already. You're going through dental school. What's another six months before you buy that new car? What's another year before you buy that new car? So that it makes sense from a financial standpoint. Get yourself in the right place. Now, here's the crazy thing. If I was really going to be very, very specific with you, I would say keep your living expenses almost exactly like they are right now until you get three to six months worth of those expenses per month set aside for you in a savings account that you don't touch. If you would do that first, you would have this little nest egg, not to then go to the cruise with, okay, but to literally put that aside and like forget about it. That would be the first step that I would really kind of try to explain to people is try to keep your living expenses exactly the same, put your money aside to support you if something catastrophic happened, right? So that you had that there for your emergency pal. Then you can start to think about living. How could I live off of what I'm making now? So let's say you had that emergency fund built up and you don't have any credit card debt where would you recommend people are allocating their income towards? That's a great question. Um, you know, that's so personal um, because some people kind of get wrapped up into, like you said, the car thing and other people want to live in a certain place or um, kind of what creates that lifestyle. But I would say that if you could allocate, it's going to sound like a lot, I would say 20, at least 20% of what you're making towards savings and investments and only live off of the rest of that, that is a super healthy place to start. And that's once you've got your nest egg. But if you could then, you know, be really, it's super hard to be disciplined at that point, right? But I'm going to tell you this, if you can be disciplined at that phase of your life, then you will stay disciplined really throughout the rest of your life. Um, when you aren't disciplined at that age, and then you kind of get yourself into a, a hot mess, um, it is going to take you probably a decade to work yourself out of that and to get yourself into a habit in which you will do it. That's a long time. And I, I, I'm sure you guys have heard, but, you know, money has this way of either compounding in a good way or a bad way. The best time to do some investing and um, we use a lot of uh, what's called whole life insurance policies to help you guys invest and keep some things safe and allow it to grow for you. You're very, very healthy at that age. You're very, very young at that age. So we can get different policies for people that are at a really good price. And you can qualify for them because you're still healthy. You take a decade later, and although a lot of us try to stay healthy, doesn't always mean that you are by then. You know, different things can crop up, different genetic things can crop up. And before you know it, you can have a 
a situation where we can't get that kind of insurance anymore. And that's one thing I'm thinking about as I'm looking into my like post-grad budget. Mm -hmm. When I feel like as dentists, we have so many other expenses that not other people have. Some of them required like malpractice insurance and you need some type of disability insurance really. But also there's like your professional memberships and things like that. And your DEA license, like all these annual things you have to pay. How much do you think people should be thinking to set aside to pay for those types of things month to month? Wow. You know, that is actually a really great question. Um, I think for some, you know, I would try to negotiate some of that to get paid by wherever I was going to go work, because let's, let's face it, you wouldn't have to be paying. So let's say they agreed to pay for some of that stuff for you, right? So they're able to write that off as an expense and you're not getting that money to come in as income. That's a win-win situation right there. And I'm not saying that they'll do everything and probably the disability is definitely something you should pay for, for for yourself. But liability insurance, if you could get them to do your liability insurance, your your license, like anything, anything would be helpful, right? And so I would say try to negotiate as much as possible and show them that it's a win-win situation too, because then that's coming directly out of their cost of paying you a salary, which means they don't have to pay additional like business, um, you know, taxes and things on that as well. So I would try to negotiate some of that. And then honestly, it just, it is what it is. I mean, from when I was, you know, coming out of school, there, there wasn't as much that we had to pay for. And what we did have to pay for, it certainly wasn't as much as it is now. So percentage wise, I mean, I bet I would set aside 10% just on that. That sounds like a lot, Mm -hmm. but I think, I think that's a fair, a fair number. And then if it doesn't cost you that much, so be it. Then you can put that back into your fun, your fun, fun, you know? Um, But if you want to really be proactive about it, I'd I'd probably say 10% because there's going to be things you don't even expect things. You're not even expecting, right? Um, New loops or, you know, some kind of, new technology or something that you want to um, subscribe to, or you want to take a course or, or this or that or the other, that, that maybe where you're working isn't going to pay for. So um, this is part of grow, growing and growth into your professional career, right? And so you want to be prepared for it. If not, you never get to go to CE courses. You never get to continue to grow outside of, of dental school and you're going to limit yourself. Right. And you're going to limit your capacity to to work. Um, uh, I think, too. This is just a thought that I'm having, so I'm going to I'm going to go with it for a second. So follow me. I think when you guys are coming out of school, you don't really understand how you're going to get paid. I think you really need to understand how you are going to get paid. Are you going to get paid on production? Are you going to get paid on collection? Are your lab bills going to come out of that formula? Like you really need to understand the formula so that you can proactively calculate 
how much work and how much dentistry have you done by the 15th of every month or, you know, five days into the month so that so that you can kind of be calculating what your take home pay is going to be, because, you know, or you should know, I guess I'm recommending that, you know, I call it BAM. Have you ever heard BAM? BAM is bare ass minimum. What's it going to take for me to keep my shelter over my head, keep gas in my car, keep my car payment going and to put food on the table where I can eat? What is my BAM? I don't care if you're talking about your business BAM or your personal BAM. I think we all need to understand what BAM is. And then you guys taking a very proactive approach of understanding that that amount And for you guys, it would also include how much money do I need to pay back for my student loans, right? You need to understand your BAM and all your decisions need to be made from that number, okay? And then understand, well, what am I going to have to produce at the office in order to be able to bring that home? Yeah, that's awesome. Taken out of it, right? What's going to be taken out of it? What's what's not going to be taken out of it? So you know, the first, I would say three months or so, like, you need to be in those numbers all the time trying to understand that. And if somebody happens to offer a 401k plan, or uh, a match type of 401k plan, I know it may sound strange right off the bat, you're like, I'm barely making ends meet. I still am going to say really, really consider being able to do something like that because it's not maybe your whole career where you're going to get that matched opportunity. Yeah, that's all awesome. Right? Because if you put in 3%, then they may match 3%. Well, their 3% is really kind of free money. So, So do it if you at all can. If you can all, you know, create, create the goal from BAM and see what you can do, then I say maximize it every single time if you can. And I have one more kind of budgeting advice question Then I want to talk a little bit about practice ownership. But do you have any specific budgeting like interface that you recommend? Do you recommend any apps or do you think just do it all manually in a spreadsheet? What's kind of your style? Yes. Um, I'm going to tell you that even right now, before you even get out of school, that I would highly recommend that everybody go on and keep their personal books in QuickBooks, okay? QuickBooks tends to be even then, now, and and probably for a long time until something maybe easier comes out, is such a um, general but very stable and very predictable, you know, software to use that the more you just kind of get into QuickBooks and keep your budgeting and keep, keep your, you know, just your finances in general in there. I think the more in the future, you'll understand how to look at what they call PLs. Have you ever heard that word? Profit and loss statements yep. um, and balance sheets. Well, we all, even as individuals can have profit and loss you know, statements. The more you start to get into QuickBooks, the more you start to learn, the more you start playing with the reports the budgeting aspect of it, the better it's going to be so that when you do get out, you you really aren't learning a new app because you've already been playing around in it. Yeah, that's good advice. I'm interested to, I've never really looked at the interface. I just knew like dental offices used it, but it makes sense that even you could use it for any type of income and expenses. 
absolutely personal. I, I say start using it now because the more you play in it, the better you're going to be. And when it comes time, you, you guys probably aren't. Some of you probably have filed your own income taxes at this point, and and some maybe haven't. Um, but it once you kind of get used to that system and categorizing things properly, right? We're not accountants. We're not taught that in school, but but we do have to put that kind of accountant CEO hat on at some point uh, once you're out there practicing. And so when the time comes for you to turn in your information to your accountants for tax you know, preparation purposes, if you've already done a good job and understood it and understood the categorizations and QuickBooks, then guess what happens? All you do is push send to them and then, you know, send over the um, receipts and, and things like that to back up the information. It makes tax preparation, if you want to say, so much better, so much less time consuming um, rather than being like, oh, this is the first time I've thought about it. I got this box full of, you know, receipts. I've got to figure out how to categorize this and tell them what I've spent my money on. And this is just taking a really proactive approach about it. And again, I'll emphasize the sooner you begin to make good habits with that, it will help you through life for years and years to come. Yeah, that's awesome advice. I love that. And definitely something I'm going <laughs> to take a look into myself too. I was going to say there aren't other things other than QuickBooks, okay? Mm -hmm. Because there are. Um, but it sure does seem to be the gold standard. Yeah. And I want to talk a little bit about practice ownership before we wrap up. I think mm -hmm. the thinking years and years ago was almost everyone's going to put their name on a door and own a practice. But now that's a lot less common and there's more like grouping of practices, group models, associates working multiple offices, one office, but never owning. So do you think you can still be very profitable and a high income earner and get towards your retirement goals without being a practice owner? Yes, I do. And the reason why I say that is because I actually have three associate doctors and they make very good money, very good money. And if they, you know, plan properly, they have every opportunity to be just as financially stable and financially independent as I do. But as a matter of fact, they don't always have as many headaches as I do as a business owner, right? So I definitely, I don't know how many of your viewers um, and listeners are female versus male, but definitely as females, this, this opportunity to be an associate is really nice, um, especially in those years where you are going to start a family as well, because it does give you some flexibility on how many days can I, how many days would I like to work? How many days would I like to be home with, you know, raising maybe an infant and then whenever that changes uh, a year or two later, then guess what? You have that option to um, add additional days, um, maybe pick up another day at another office or something like that. It just, it, there's just a lot of flexibility, a lot of flexibility. And the more and more women we have out there that are, are true, you know, business owners who are looking for associates, they've been there. They've done that. They, they understand, um, 
that that want and need and are totally open to it. One of my associates right now, she's she'll be having um, her second child in uh, in um, November. And we've talked about it and we're like, you know, whenever the baby comes, then, you know, let's plan on, you know, not really having you back until January. But if you want to come back some, then we'll bring you back in when it's convenient for you, when you're feeling good and when it, when it works out, because, you know, you just, you just never know. Every baby's different and every pregnancy is different. And um, so, you know, I think from a male standpoint, uh, you know, they, they just don't have to think about that. They don't, you know, their wives may be having babies, but usually they don't typically have to take as much time off. Um, obviously I personally, I love being a business owner. Um, but I have also been an associate as well. And so I've pretty much run the gamut of partnerships, um, associates, having associates, you know, all kinds of things. So I've seen it from all sides and they all have their pluses and they all have their minuses. So all I can say is just when you are interviewing, you may be getting interviewed, but you need to be interviewing as well. Right. Because this is kind of like a marriage. And it would be nice to get into a marriage that was healthy for both parties, right? Rather than having to get divorced at some at some point in the future. So I really do just, you know, encourage people to, to do their due diligence. And in a marriage, it's not always about, um, it's not always about the dentistry. It is also about that person who they are, what their philosophy is, what their core values are. And if you have one or two core values that maybe don't match up, it's probably not a big deal. But if you have no core values the same, then it's going to be really hard to have a long lasting, you know, associate relationship with someone. Yeah, I definitely agree with what you're saying. And that's something I keep in mind when I've been going through my search of trying to find an office to work for too. So do you have any final kind of thoughts or words of wisdom you want to share with the soon-to-be dentists that are listening? Yes. Uh, Get excited. Dentistry is fun. Taking care of people is fun. Um, Be the best at it that you can be. Like, don't, don't settle for mediocrity, not in yourself and not in whatever company you're working with or office that you're practicing with, or your own, like, just don't settle for mediocrity. Um, Today's technology and times, man, are just, wow, there's something coming at us almost every month or so of something new. So you guys are going to come in on this wave of a lot of new technology. You're going to have to stay up with it. You're going to have to be really super savvy, but I know y'all can handle it because you're the first generation really in dentistry that is going to have grown up with technology from this time you were probably, you know, in kindergarten. This is the first wave of of students and and new docs that I think is going to not only excel in all this technology, but you're going to embrace it. And it's just going to be like second nature for y'all. And so you do have so much to offer these practices, right? Because the rest of them are like me. And we did not even have cell phones until after we were out of dental school. So all of that moving forward is is very different for us. So we've had a learning curve that we just even from a technology standpoint had to, you know, embrace. And you guys, it's just super, super natural for you. So, you know, 
how can you think of ways of how can you increase your value? Because if you increase your value to a you know an owner doctor or a company, uh, then your value is more, right? Your your worth is more, and so that's that's how you go back and you ask for more money or ask for a better percentage down the road. But if you think that you're just going to go in and quote go in and do the hours and exchange dollars for hours, you really aren't creating any more value or or, or worth for yourself. I think that's something to remember. Yeah, you shared so much great advice and personal experiences tonight. I really appreciate it. If there's anyone that's listening and wants to learn more, or wants to connect with you, how could they get in touch? Yes, just remember I am I am an older person, so I still use Facebook, this little thing called Facebook that probably none of y'all are on, but I also have Instagram as well, so you can look up, you know, I think you could just probably just look up even Jill Wade and and I'll pop up. But um, if y'all want to keep, you know, joining the tribe and listening to more financial advice and little tips and snippets, then I would go find Progressive Finance on um, Instagram. And, you know, of course, y'all can go to LinkedIn and connect with me, DM, whatever. Uh, I am open. I love helping and mentoring um, you guys. Um, I just love it. And I'm super glad y'all chosen dentistry. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.